Somebody say praise the Lord. Well, look at your neighbor and tell him it's good to see you in the house of God. Amen. Amen. I want you to know I'm honored to be with each and every one of you in the presence of the Lord. And it is always a privilege to be in the house of God. When you, when you think about what the psalmist said, better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. And there's something about gathering together. This is All Nations Sunday, but this is actually just a normal day, amen, in our fellowship, amen. We're, we're global, and we're reaching the world, and we're reaching everybody. Because at the end of the day, you know we all come from Adam and Eve. Can you say amen? You may like jerk chicken more than me. I doubt it. Smile a little bit. We have some Liberians in the house. You might like collard greens more than me. You probably do. I'm not big on that, I'll be honest. Smile a little bit. Amen. Not too many. Uh, what was say again? Oh, my wife loves that stuff now. Amen. But we, we, we come from different backgrounds, but we're united that we all come from Adam and Eve, but we're united again because we all got a connection through Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. And so I want you to know we love and appreciate you. I won't keep you standing much longer. I will tell you that um, I did indeed tell your pastor years ago I would be his friend until the end. And, you know, you can be proud of your pastor and his wife. Your pastor, he is who he is. There are no airs. There's no put on. He loves people. He's constantly, constantly in ministry mode. And uh, he represents you well. And the Bible said to give honor where honor is due. Also said to give double honor to those that labor in word or deed. So can we give him and his wife a big hand clap of appreciation? We love you, Pastor Wyatt. Amen. We appreciate you. I saw him this morning. He had his smog on. I don't know if the Nigerians call those smogs or not, but in Ghana they call them smogs. And I have two or three. I've wore one out, and the other's in my closet. And I didn't know that he was putting his on. I probably would have bought mine. Amen. I look better in mine, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Let let me, I will keep you just standing just a, a moment more. Um, I obviously didn't get married at 20, um, but my wife is with me. She's actually a great evangelist from Venezuela. Uh, we have about 3,000 churches in Venezuela, just as an inter, an ideal. We have, uh, we have one Bible college. We're opening another now. Uh, Venezuela is about 40% larger than the state of Texas, or we could say Texas, New Jersey, and New York, and maybe Missouri together, and then you have Venezuela, and uh, God gave her to me, and uh, it's a great, great love story that I, I would, uh, I say it's the second greatest love story ever told, because Jesus is the greatest love story ever told, amen, but uh the short version, I don't want to keep you much standing much longer, so I, just another minute. But the short story is I was preaching in Venezuela when I landed. The missionary mentioned this woman to me. And I said, listen, I'm not here to, to get a woman. You know, I'm here to preach. And, uh, you know, you're going to get me in trouble. Amen. Quit telling everybody I'm single. Amen. And uh, long story, I did tell him that. And long story short, when I was leaving that first time, 
I was in the courtyard because often in countries, not always, but we'll have like a, a compound set up. And, and in other words, a square and in the middle, it's a courtyard. You got the cafeteria and fellowship all on one end. The classroom is here, missionary's house here. And the second floor is the dormitories because a lot of our Bible colleges overseas are full time. You have to be there all the time. And so I, uh, my wife had went a little later in life to Bible college. And uh, long story short, I was walking uh, to the courtyard to get into the car to go to the airport, Maracaibo. And uh, the only thing I did not have was my satchel, which I had left in the courtyard. And my wife was standing there holding it. She wasn't my wife. And the Lord spoke to me. And the Lord said, here's a gift for you. She will travel the world with you. Take care of her. And uh, me, I thought, no, 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 that's my flesh. Amen. And so it's one thing to get a thus saith the Lord for you, but it's a little harder when it comes to relationship to get a thus saith the Lord for yourself. But I didn't know it, but the Lord spoke to her and said, that's your husband. And she went to the other side of Venezuela to visit her mom and dad's church a week or two later. And the pastor there, knowing nothing, prophesied over her, said, you're going to travel the world. And so come here, honey. Yeah, come here. So this is my wife, Anna. And uh, she is so strong and so smart. And truthfully, Pastor White, I'm going to be carrying her bags. Amen. <laughs> and uh, But she's actually a great preacher as well. Spanish is her first language. She doesn't preach in English yet. And uh, But I told her we were uh, staying for a little while in Mexico waiting for her to immigrate. And uh, I told her, I said, you're going to be a great preacher in English too. And she said, no, 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 just Spanish. And, and two or three weeks later, she had a dream. And in her dream, she was preaching in Spanish. She said, I was never so anointed. And then in the middle of the sermon, she stopped and looked around. And Pastor White, she opened her mouth, and she began to preach in English. And, uh, and so she's going to, one of these times we come, we'll maybe we'll tag team preach in the future. You want to say Hello. Hello. <laughs> Uh, but we love her and appreciate her. And uh, for those of you that are single, get God's best. Can you say amen? amen. And what I didn't tell you, I didn't, but, but since nobody seems to be jumping to their seats, I, I got another moment. What I, did, what I didn't tell you is my wife. Now, I married up. If you're going to marry, marry up. Come on, somebody. Don't marry down. If you're a man, marry up. Amen. And so I married way out of my league, and I like it that way. Praise God. I'm glad. I'm happy about that. But uh, for a while, I just kept putting it off because of language barrier and things. And my wife, amen, she knew it was God's will. God, why is he not responding to what what you know? Because, again, I was afraid I maybe heard from my flesh because it was involved my emotions. And uh, she began to pray and fast. And I, I say that again, I'm the one who married up, but I cannot tell you the joys of uh, waking up in the morning or going into the bedroom at night. And my wife is face down on the floor, speaking in tongues, praying, amen, for the anointing. I tell you, if you're going to marry, marry God's best. Can you say amen? Marry God's best. Well, we love you and appreciate you. Before you're seated, I want you to close your eyes with me. And I want you to think about that thing that you want God to do for you today. 
And as you close your eyes with me and you think about that, I, I'm just going to ask you, would you lift up your hands for a moment and, and would you begin to give God praise for what you believe He's going to do for you today? Come on, somebody give Him glory. Amen. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Amen. Soldiers. Sailors and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force. You are about to embark upon a great crusade towards which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere March with you in company with our brave allies and brothers in arms on other fronts. You will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task It will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. This is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940 and 41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle and man-to-man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and has placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. And I have full confidence in your courage, your devotion to duty, and your skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck. Let us all beseech the blessings of the Almighty God upon this great and noble Undertaking. These were the words of the great General Dwight D. Eisenhower to the Allied forces on D-Day. A day when he would look at young men, most of them from America, and he would look at them and he would inform them to look to the left and look to the right. For either the one to the left of them or the one to the right of them are they themselves were likely to be killed in the first few moments as they stormed that beach. 
on D-Day, only 50% of the men survived. 2,000 paratroopers faced 345,000 bullets in just the first few minutes. World War I would see 8 million soldiers die and 12 million civilians killed. But World War II was much worse. Upwards of 70 million people died in World War II. To put it into perspective, that would be the equivalent of the population of New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and probably room for another state as well. Yet today, as tragic and great as these wars were, we are in an even greater war. In fact, it is the greatest war the world has ever, ever known. First Peter 5 and 8 declares, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You see, as great as these wars were, the greatest war the world has ever known has been for your soul. Let me say it again. As great as these wars were, the greatest war that has ever been is for your soul. Amen. There is an eternal fight for the eternal destiny of your soul. Amen. Jeremiah the prophet said that he was formed in passion even in his mother's womb. The, the Bible declares that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And there is a prophetic promise uh, you can count on that Jesus has given to humanity. In Matthew 16 and 18, I will build my church uh, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Uh, it's already been paid for. It's already been decided. It's already been declared. It's already been determined. There's going to be a church. Come on, somebody. There's going to be a victory. Amen. God, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew 1 and 23. I will build my church. It's already been decided. We win. Can you say amen? But until that day when it's sealed, there's a battle going on for your soul. There's a fight going on. Amen. Whether or not you're going to be a part of that church. There's no debate. It's done, declared, decided, destined to be. There's a church. Amen. But the question is, will you be a part of that church? You are in a battle. The devil is like a roaring lion, as a roaring lion. He, he's not a roaring lion. He, amen. Somebody said he's like a pit bull without teeth. No, 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 no. He's like a chihuahua. You ever hear that chihuahua? You think you think you got a Rottweiler coming around that corner? You worried? You nervous? You think you're going to get off lucky? Amen. Blessed if you got a pit bull. And then there comes this six-inch tall chihuahua. Got mouth on him like two Rottweilers. Amen. But he ain't got no teeth and he ain't got no size. The devil is not a roaring lion. He's as a roaring lion. But there is a lion of Judah. Amen. I said there's a lion of Judah. Jesus Christ our King. 
But you are in a war for the eternal destiny of your soul. And if you think you're not in a war, you're already losing the battle. There's a war waging on. There's a war raging on right now for the eternal destiny of your soul and many other things going on are nothing but a distraction, amen, to get you, amen, blinded to the fact or deaf to the sound that there's a battle going on for your soul. It's not monopoly. It's not a video game. It's not Sunday football. It's eternal destiny. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 10, The thief cometh but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Amen. He'll steal your joy. He'll steal your happiness. He'll steal your victory. Amen. You'll sit around looking like you've been dipped in pickle juice and woe is me. Nobody loved me. Nobody liked me. He'll steal your victory. He'll steal your happiness. He'll steal everything that God intended for you. Because Jesus came. He said, the thief cometh but to steal. He take a little bit. And then to kill. And then to destroy. But he said, I come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. The devil take an inch. You give him an inch, he'll take a mile, and then he'll kill you, and he'll destroy you. But you'll give Jesus a chance. His progression is, I'll give you life, and keep going on. I'll give it to you more abundantly. You're in a, you're in a war. Your soul. Amen. But too many people are listening to the lion lullaby, the Pied Piper lion lullaby, leading people to a path of destruction. They're lying to them. They're not in a fight. They're not in a battle. They're not in a war. You know, you know, people, people get agitated by the dumbest things because they don't recognize they're in a war. Somebody got my seat. Somebody parked where I parked. Amen. Somebody, somebody, didn't they know bad preacher didn't even shake my hand? Amen. But when you get in a war, everything changes. When you get in a war, your perspective is different. I don't agree with exactly what he did, but there's a principle that we can learn from what he did. A famous uh, a general of World War II, one of the legendary generals of history by the name of General Patton. Amen. I, I don't bestow, bestow on him a great example of Christianity, but there's something he did during World War II we can learn from. Amen. He was known for his rough language. Uh, he was known. It was a different generation. He, he was known for being Strong, Amen. They used him to trick the Nazis because they couldn't believe uh, somebody would be demoted like he was demoted. Uh, amen. For doing what he did. Amen. But he did something one day. They they were in the ma- in the middle of a battle and he asked for his regiment to be lined up in front of him. Uh, amen. And they gave an account to who was not there. You know, those missing limbs, those severely hurt. Obviously, they can't fight. They're, they're shipping them back to get treatment. Uh, and then uh, he was given account that one was missing. Uh, amen. He kept asking what's going on. And, and finally they found out. Uh, amen. Don't be sensitive today. But they found out he was having an, an anxiety attack. Amen. This, this young man. And so here's General Patton. And, and he's in front of the whole regiment. And he said, bring me that young man. <laughs> and he brought him that young man. I don't agree what he did. Uh, but I think there's a principle there. They brought him this young man who was just basically scared to death. 
death because they're about to go into battle. He's a young man. He's got thousands, literally tens of thousands of soldiers lined up in front of him. And, and General Patton did something. You know what he did? He slapped him down to the ground. He said, get up, son. Amen. You are at the edge of the front line. Do you not know that there are thousands of people that are just over a hill or two that want to kill you? Amen. That want to end your life. Pick up your gun, son. Amen. Young man, pick up your, your gun and get ready to fight. You see, I didn't agree with the slapping him down, but he did understand something as he spoke to this younger man. You're in a situation where you better pick up your gun and go to fight. They're going to kill you. You are in a war, ladies and gentlemen. There's a war waging on for your soul. And you've got to sometimes, when you're in a war, there's things that don't matter. Who got my parking spot? Preacher didn't shake my hand. Come on, somebody. Somebody didn't say it just the way I like it. I'd never forget we were having Sunday night church when I got in church years ago. They have Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Sunday night we, amen, we, we went into the, the, the restroom and, amen, some of the young men were talking about, boy, I didn't get much out of that service. Wasn't that good. One of the older men stepped in. He said, shh, you telling on yourself. Everybody got younger men. We got quiet. You know, we're... I was about 20. Most of them were 17, 18, 19, a couple 22. And here's this older guy in his 60s. You know, don't seem so old now, but it did then. Amen. Smile a little bit. He said, he said, he said, you tell it on yourself. And then he, he got quiet and let us all finish our business. And he said, you only get out of a service what you give to a service. He said, the whole church going to know. Don't tell everybody you didn't give nothing. See, when you're in a war, there's things that don't matter as much. Let somebody try to kill you and your family. You're not worried about who your cell phone provider is when you're in a war. We are in a war. The devil is as a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he may destroy. And I want you to know the devil will lie to you. He'll lie to you. A devil's just like my brother. When I was a little little boy, and you can tell that's been a while. Amen. I was a little boy. I was about five years of age. My brother, he, he, you know what he got for Christmas? He got a new BB gun. He had a one-pump BB gun. For Christmas, he got a ten-pump. So as soon as my parents left, he said, listen, Bubba. He said, let's have a BB gun fight. Uh-oh, don't try this at home, children. And so I, I, I was fine, but I was, I was not stupid. And I said, that's not fair, David. I said, yours pumps ten times and mine only once. He said, oh, no. No, Brian. I'll only pump mine once and it won't hurt. He pumped it once and he let me shoot him. And he said, see, that's not bad. Then he let me... I let him shoot me, and it stung just a little. I said, I can handle that. I said, just no, no, no shots at the face, the eyes, just all at the body. He said, now I'm going to count to 20, and you run, and we start. 
Man, I ran, I ran. This is going to be fun. Me and my brother finally going to make a connection. He lied to me. He pumped that gun 20 t- 10 times, and when he shot me, it went through my blue jeans about that deep into my skin. This is before I knew Jesus. My response was to tell him, I'm going to kill you. And I chased him around the house aiming for his head. Amen. Even before I knew Jesus. It wasn't the only time he did it. I was 10 years of age. He's 18. And now we're not living in the St. Louis area. We're living out in the country part of Missouri. And he said, let's get in the acorn fight. You know what an acorn is, right? Come on, half of you do, half of you don't. You don't know what an acorn is? It's... Some of you looking at the others like you're crazy. You don't want to know. And then he thinks I'm crazy to think you know what it is. Amen. Acorn comes out of oak trees. It's about this big around. You see them all around the ground in the Midwest. Most of you kind of got an idea now. Okay. It's a fruit seed, a tree seed. Amen. Tree nut. Anyway, he said, let's have an acorn bite. I said, now, now, wait a second, David. Those things hurt when you get hit in the head. And I said, you know, I'm big for my age, but you're 18. I'm, I'm 10. He said, no, no. No, no. We won't hit each other in the head. I said, okay. He lied to me. Man, he got me and just pounded my head. I told him, I said, one of these days when I grow up, I'm going to whoop you. I got to be 25. And here I am. Amen. My brother's about five foot five, about 150 pounds. He come up to me, Brother White. He said, boy, I'm sure glad you turned out to be a preacher. Amen. I said, you better be glad or you'd be in trouble. Amen. But the devil will lie to you. He'll steal your joy. He'll steal your happiness. You see, Jesus said that no man can pluck you out of the Father's hand. You can choose to walk in. And you can choose to walk out, but the devil can't drag you out, and God will never throw you out. Can you say amen? Let me say it again. You choose to walk in, and you can choose to walk out, but no devil can drag you out. But he can lie to you. He can lie to you. He can, he's got but one weapon in his arsenal. Whisper to you and convince you, demobilize you, convince you you can't have what God says you can't have. Sitting on that pew, I can't get the Holy Ghost. That's a lie from the devil. I can't get delivered from my drugs, my alcohol, or my other addictions. That's a lie of the devil. You'd be sitting there on that pew, nobody loves me. That's a lie from the devil. Be sitting there on your pew and you demobilized. The devil deceiving you. Nobody can help my relationship. Nobody can help my life. That is the lie of the devil. He can't stop you. But if he can convince you that you can't have what he says is yours, then he's got you where he wants you. And Paul said, We're not, Paul the apostle said, We're not ignorant of his devices. But you see, devil don't have no power. Romans 13 and 1 says there's no power but of God. 
Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus declared, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So Jesus got all the power. That means the devil doesn't have any power. But we are wrestling. The Bible said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. We got a spiritual battle going on. But Jesus done paid the price. Jesus done made the way. You've got to receive what God has for you. We're not careful. We become our greatest enemy. We talk ourselves out of the blessing. I'll never forget. I won't say his name. I was in prayer in St. Louis and the Lord spoke to me about another evangelist in America and and he's not an international evangelist, but an evangelist. And God told me, give him $1,000. I said, I said, well, you know, Lord, I'm kind of needing an offering right now myself. Amen. I tried to raise some money for an overseas trip. And here God doesn't tell me receive. He tells me give. So I called him up. You'll know him if I said his name. I'll leave his name out. I called him up and I said, listen, I'm a, God told me to give you $1,000. For the next 45 minutes, we had a theological discussion as he decided to, to, to find out if this was the will of God. And he said, I just, I'm not really feeling it. And he just kept going on. And I don't know why God would do this. And, and, you know, finally, after about 45 minutes, I exaggerate not, I had enough. I had to go. I had things to do. I said, listen, I got to go. I said, I got your address. I'm going to mail the chick, check. And he said, well, you have any suggestions for me? Now he wants a word. I said, yeah, I've got a suggestion. The, the next time somebody calls you and tells you they want to give you $1,000, quit arguing with them. Just say thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hung up before he wanted to talk anymore. Amen. Come on, somebody. Don't let the devil talk you out of your blessing. The devil is a liar, and there's a battle going on for your soul. And if you don't think you're in the greatest war the world has ever known, if you think it's just fictitious, you've already bought into the lie of the devil. There's a war being raged, waged right now for your soul. But the good news, Jesus paid the price for your victory, for your joy, for your happiness, for your ultimate salvation. You just got to receive what God God has for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom denotes permission. Who will allow him to devour them? Who will allow him to have his way in their life? The story goes that years ago a man was sitting on the fence. One side was God and the other side was the devil's. And He'd been there for some time and the devil walked by and leaned on the fence and he talked to the man. He said, listen, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm trying to decide which side to, to be on. God's side or your side? He said, well, take your time. Take your time, young man. He said, really? He said, yeah, I own the fence. Some of you didn't get that, did you? Amen. The devil said, take your time because I own the fence. See, God wants what's best for you. But you, you have to submit to it. 
Second Corinthians chapter 10, I believe verse 3 and down, says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought unto the captivity and the obedience of Christ. The devil can't stop you. But he can try to convince you he can stop you. See, there are a lot of things going on, but you know what it is right now? It's Holy Ghost time. It's not football time. It's not baseball time. It's not politics time. This Holy Ghost time. This is a time when God wants to pour His Spirit out. And He wants to pour out joy and victory and happiness and deliverance. That's what time it is right now. We're at the church. God's always ready. Always willing. Right now, he's locked and loaded. He pumped it ten times, the brother said. He's ready. There's nothing that can stop you from getting that. Except yourself. Jesus said, no man can pluck you out of the Father's hand. I'm talking about the greatest war the world has ever known. When you realize the significance of your soul, your soul. See, there's a devil's hell. But God's got a better place prepared for you. He's got a better place prepared for you. Nobody want to talk about hell anymore, but there is a hell to shun. There is a devil. There's a war raging for your soul. But the good news, the devil can't stop you. He can't take you out of the Father's hand. He can't keep you from getting forgiveness. He can't keep you from being healed. He can't keep you from being delivered. He can't keep you from receiving the Holy Ghost. I don't care if you're a drunkard, you're a druggie. You got terrible relationship choices. You're living a, an ungodly lifestyle. Amen. Doing abominations. God can forgive you and deliver you and make you whole again. There's still hope in the blood of Jesus. There's still power in the Spirit. Years ago... Back in the 1800s where hangings were practiced throughout the world, including here in America, there was a man that had done a deed or at least been accused of it, and he was sentenced to hanging by death, death by hanging. A lawyer made an appeal and went to the Supreme Court of the United States, and they found out there was some question about what he'd done. And so they, they, he, the appeal was made to the governors, etc., presidents, and they pardoned him. When they went to deliver the pardon, the man rejected the pardon. Here he's got a death sentence by hanging, and he rejects the pardon. Rejected the presidential pardon. So the Supreme Court, they had to decide what could happen. And the the leading Supreme Court justice said, We have found no power in earth. In In fact, not in heaven either that can bestow a pardon on someone who will not receive it. 
Forgiveness has already been granted. Deliverance has already been granted. Holy Ghost has already poured out. But you have to receive it. You have to receive it. By His stripes we are healed. It's already been paid for. You, you have to receive it. In just a matter of moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do this. And you can join the countless thousands that have experienced this. You can receive forgiveness again. Healing. The Holy Ghost. Deliverance. It's just a matter of your choice. Because no devil can stop it. It's Holy Ghost time. It's Holy Ghost time. Would you stand with me right now? In the name of Jesus. Don't worry about the music for a moment. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Carefully, prayerfully listen to me right now. Whether you're an usher, you're a deacon, first time visitor, or been coming here ever since the church started, I'm talking to you. Heads bowed. Eyes closed, please. Listen carefully and prayerfully. If you're here... And you know you need Jesus to forgive you of something you have said or done or thought. Jesus said, if you don't forgive others of their trespasses, your heavenly Father cannot forgive you of yours. If you're here and you know you need to receive forgiveness for something you've, you've said, you've done, you've thought, a sin, a transgression, an iniquity, would you lift your hand right now? Be honest before God. Hands are coming up all over the house. People saying, yeah, I, I need some fresh forgiveness. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Heads bowed, eyes closed, you may lower your hands. In Acts 2 and 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. If you're here, we're told in Acts 2 and 39, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, we're told that that experience is promised to every person in every generation. If you're here, you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit. You've never been baptized with the Holy Ghost, with the Bible sign of speaking in other tongues. Would you lift your hand right now quickly? Quickly, quickly. Some hands coming up. Honest people, thank you, thank you. You may lower your hands. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here, you say, Brother Norman, I need delivered from an addiction today. Whatever form it may be. It may be your computer. Maybe something on that computer. Maybe drugs. Maybe drinking. Could be several things. You need delivered from something. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking but the Lord, me, your pastor, do whatever he wants. You need delivered from something. Would you lift your hand right now? Be honest before God. Be honest before God. Thank you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You need healing in your body today. Bible said that He healed all manners of sicknesses and disease. You need healing in your body. It could be your body, your mind, your spirit situation. You need healing. Would you lift your hand right now? We're going to have some people healed and delivered and Holy Ghost. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You may lower your hands. If you're here and you need God to manifest a miracle... Beyond what you can rationalize. Beyond what you can figure out how it would be done. You need a miracle in some way. Would you raise your hand right now quickly? 
Quickly, quickly, quickly. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me prayerfully. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. I want you to look at me real quick. How many of you know what this is? Water bottle. Made to hold water. It was created to hold water. Even though it was created to hold water, you can't get no water in it. Why? Got a lid on it. Made to hold water. Created to hold water. But you can't get no water in it. Because it's got a lid on it. That's how you are. Until you repent. You've got a lid on your heart. God, the Bible in John chapter 4 calls the Holy Ghost living water. It brings healing, joy, and victory. God's trying to pour it in you. But as long as you've got a lid on your heart, hate in your heart, unforgiveness in your heart, or unwillingness to be forgiven by repenting, you've got a lid on your heart. But if you'll take that lid off your heart, God will then pour His living water in and your light will overflow with His presence. Don't worry, that carpet will be okay. How many of you understand what I'm saying? In just a moment, I'm going to make a call to repent. Can you hear me back there? And when I call to repent... If you have too much pride to repent, it means you need to. I've made a call to repent and seen bishops that oversee a thousand churches fall on their face and they repent. I repent before every service. You didn't see it. You should have got here earlier. Praise God. You missed it. Amen. Smile a little bit. I repent every day. Why? I can't afford to have anything block the blessings of God from coming into my life. In the kingdom of God, there's one king, and it's not you. And it's not me. It's Jesus. Bow your heads with me. You for you and me for me, but... Just right now, I'm going to ask us, I can't pray it for you, I can't say it for you, I can't mean it for you, but I'm going to ask you right where you're at, would you begin to repent in the presence of the Lord, knowing Jesus died in your place for your sins? Let us ask Jesus to forgive us. Father, forgive me. Forgive me, O God. Forgive me, O God. Forgive me of things I've said or done or thought against you. Lord, wash my heart and my mind and my spirit. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Father, forgive me. Wash over my heart and my mind and my spirit. Come on, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's as simple as saying and praying, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Father, the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 H
In the name of Jesus. Come on out of the abundance of the heart. That mouth speaketh. uh, Sincerely ask the Lord to forgive you. Get your hearts ready to receive from God. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to put your hands in front of you like you're holding a basket, palms up, amen, chest level. I know you're not holding a basket, but act, act like you're holding a basket or a box. In that box, I want you to throw your sins. In that box, I want you to throw your transgressions. In that box, I want you to throw your iniquities. In that box, I want you to throw your hurts and your scars nobody else knows about. Throw it in that box. Whatever stops you from letting God have His way and His will in your life, throw it in that box right now. Throw it in that box. The Scripture says, For with God nothing shall be impossible unto you. Do you believe Jesus can take care of everything that you threw in that box? Every sin, every transgression, every iniquity, every hurt, every scar, every wound, every situation, every doubt. Do you believe He can take care of everything you threw in that box? I want you to say, Lord Jesus... Come on, repeat it after me. Lord Jesus, I trust you. One more time. Lord Jesus, I trust you. Do you believe He can take care of everything you put in that box? I'm going to pray a prayer. And after that prayer, we're going to hand that box to Jesus and worship, and the power of God will fall. Father, I come to you right now by the authority of the blood of Jesus shed at Calvary. You said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it in John 14 and 14. I come before you, and Father, I pray that whatever would hinder in every heart, head, or home represented here, Lord, rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I pray every bondage, every captivity, every doubt, every hindrance, Lord, rebuke it by the authority of the blood shed at Calvary. And I pray you release an anointing that will liberate from shackles and captivity, that will heal her and wounds and scars uh, that you'll baptize with the Holy Ghost uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, if you believe Jesus can take care of everything you put in that box, uh, I want you to stretch your hands forward uh, and give the box to Jesus uh, and then let go of it uh, and lift up your hands uh, and begin to worship. Uh, come on, somebody. Lift up your hands all over this house. Uh, open your mouth uh, and begin to praise Him. Uh, somebody, if you need the Holy Ghost, just focus in on worshiping God right now, and when your praise goes, come on somebody, I need you to help me all over the house, praise ye the Lord.
Come on, saints. I need you to create an atmosphere of praise. If you need the Holy Ghost, I need you to just focus on worshiping God. If you've repented, when your praise goes up, His presence going to come down. There's healing in the house right now. Ministers, help me pray for people. Find some ladies, pray for. Shika dava bahada boda bokede behe. Sheke bebe 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 behe de mohada bahada. Come on, all over the house. Come on, child of God. Come on, saints. Don't look around. But I need you right now to begin to pray for people. I need you right now to begin to worship. Come on, singers. I don't need you singing right now, but I need you to worship. Come on, worship leaders. Oh, somebody lift him up. Somebody give him praise. Come on, you need the Holy Ghost. Don't beg for it. You don't even have to ask for it. But just open your mouth and begin to praise Him. Just open your mouth and begin to love on Him. Tell Him, I love you. I praise you. Brag on the name of Jesus. You want the Holy Ghost? You gotta open your mouth. You gotta repent. You gotta open your mouth and you gotta praise Him. Let everything that have breath praise ye the Lord. Come on, I'm looking for somebody that's hungry for God. Come on, come on, saints. Help create an atmosphere of worship. Help create an atmosphere. Continue to help create an atmosphere of worship. Jesus is walking up and down the aisles. There's a healer in the house. Come on, I'm looking for somebody hungry. Praise Him. Come on, saints. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. Somebody give Him glory. All over the house, would you worship him with me? Come on, somebody. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Come on, I need about 25 saints right now that says I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to, everybody praying or praising, I'm going to praise Him. You say, preacher, how do I praise Him? You brag on Him. I love you, Jesus. You're wonderful, Jesus. You're holy, Jesus. You're brag on Him. That's what praise means, to brag on the Lord. Come on, 
Come on, that's it. Everybody talking to Jesus. Every eye closed, every mouth open. Everybody praying or praising to Jesus. Right now, there's a holy presence in here. Amen. There's a blessing here. There's deliverance here. There's healing here. Come on, come on, everybody worship. Everybody praying, everybody open your mouth talking to Jesus. I see people getting breakthroughs. I see people talking in tongues as the Holy Ghost is coming in and giving fresh joy. Come on, you got to open your mouth, you want Holy Ghost. Some of you at the edge of a breakthrough, just pour your heart out in praise. If you've repented, all you got to do, open your mouth and begin to worship Him. There's Holy Ghost here. Come on, somebody. It only 12. 30. We got plenty of time. Praise ye the Lord. Uh, somebody lift him up. Lift him up. Lift him up. He's a great God. That's it. You want to talk to Jesus. Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Just open your mouth. Amen. You might start out saying hallelujah. You may say, Jesus, I love you. I praise the Lord. But you want the Holy Ghost. You got to repent. Amen. Sincerely ask forgiveness. And then you got to open your mouth and you got to worship him. You got to praise him. You gotta give him glory. Come on, there's Holy Ghost here. <laughs> there's Holy Ghost here. Come on, everybody praying and praising with me. God's not even close to being done with what He's gonna do. Come on, somebody, worship the Lord with me. <laughs> Everybody talking to Jesus. There's good things happening around here. Keep praying. Keep talking to God. 